Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc, uh, except we're doing it from a different location tonight. Uh, we're like four blocks over and three blocks down, something like that, but uh, it's you guys won't know the difference, but we do. Uh, as always, I am your host, Mr. Michael Dolce, and it as, is great as always to... always, you're the host. Y- y- you know, it's always great to... Uh, <laughs> it's always great to do that, and uh, it's always great to hear it. And uh, welcome to all who are on Facebook. Uh, we should have clicked on by now as well, too. You should be able to hear us. Uh, let us know if you don't. Uh, I hope that is not the case. Um, but yeah, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Hassan Godwin. How are you doing, Ms. Mr. Hassan? The Lord okay. of the Radio? I'm warm, but I'm okay. You're warm, but yeah, you're okay. It's a little warm in there. That works out pretty good. Um... <laughs> We uh, we have sponsors. Uh, if you notice the the very very cool um, Brooklyn Seltzer Boys logo at the bottom, and uh, they are yeah. What's that all about? Well, they're they're our, our our new sponsors, so it's it's pretty exciting. Sponsored by Brooklyn Seltzer Boys, and uh, their whole deal is which I'll get you the bottles as well too in a second. Okay. Delivers old-fashioned seltzer filled by the last remaining seltzer shop in New York City, Gomberg Seltzer Works Incorporated. We deliver seltzer and old-fashioned siphon bottles directly to your home. Uh, so if you are looking for something that is unique and cool for your restaurant, check it out. Woo! This is like <laughs> the old-fashioned seltzer. This is, this is good stuff. Oh, man, that's like gag seltzer. It is, but it's it's awesome. That's like movie gag seltzer. Yeah, but it's awesome. Uh, Brooklyn Seltzer Boys offers delivery for your business or private residence. If you'd like to order seltzer for delivery, uh, please call Brooklyn Seltzer Boys, 718-649-0800. That's 718-649-0800. Or go to the website, brooklynseltzerboys.com. Do as we tell you. Do as we tell you. (laughs) Do as we tell you. (laughs) Do as we say, not as we do. Uh, Their logo will be there all month long, which is pretty awesome. I'm going to have some seltzer when they're... We're, we're on break. We have a tremendous show uh, right now. Um, we are dealing with a whole... I mean, it's, it's really kind of cool because, um, you know, we're, we're in the middle of, of comic book movie season. So we got right. a little bit of a lull. Uh, and so we're actually able to kind of do a little prediction. And we're actually able to do a little, like, see what's going to come. But I wanted to do it in a kind of a cool way, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to do it in five words or less. All right, so we're going to describe what's going to happen in five words or less. We're going to do that in a moment. Okay. Uh, we also have Legion M coming. They're going to be our guests tonight. Um, they are a really, really, like, super unique um, entertainment company. So they're working with, like, Kevin Smith and Anne Hathaway and Stan Lee. They're not a comic book company. I actually made that mistake oh, of, of okay. doing that, but I had to, I had to rectify. Uh, so we have Jeff Addison coming on. Um, they are completely funded. Not, not even just funded. They are completely owned by um, the fans. They're completely fan-owned. How does that even work? Are we going to ask him that? We are going to ask him that. that. Yeah, we're going to find all that stuff out. Um, But first, I thought we'd start with some really cool news. Uh, James Wan has broken his silence on Aquaman. And he says it's extraordinary. I, I think everything I've done is extraordinary, by the way. <laughs> He's the director. Yes, he is. He's the director and of Aquaman. And he thinks his movie is extraordinary. Yes. All right. Yes. Well, that is... Honestly, better than don't go see my movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't pull a Fantastic Four. Yeah, this, um, this is this is terrible. It's the studio's fault. It's, he didn't pull a Joss Whedon for right, Age of Ultron. Right, know? right. Like no, these people they they screwed me and uh, yeah, I don't know. Did I, he really I, say that? I don't even remember him. Joss Whedon that. complained mightily about uh, studio tampering. Okay, um, 
and it is it is widely suspected it's after he saw the screening and he saw that the movie didn't fall together quite the way he wanted so he started the narrative of well the studio just keeps messing with everything and everything is supposed to be a trailer for the next movie and sure. he, he started that kind of Marvel hysteria. Now the thing is, Marvel's brand was so enormous yeah. at the time that it just kind of shook that off. Even though Joss Whedon was enormous, and for for all intents and purposes, he's the one who sure. got them. The, the to you know, he's the one who helped build the House of Marvel. Yeah, just like just like Favreau. Yep. Um, with the first Avengers. Uh huh. But it was able to shake off his recriminations because it was it was huge. So even though. I don't think Age of Ultron is a great movie. Mm-hmm. It did really well. Yeah. Everyone loved it. Yeah. So it kind of just walked over his, you know, and, and if you notice, his relationship with them sort of ended on a dime. You know? Yeah. It, it, and it, then it, he, it, he, a couple of years later, ended up with DC. It definitely faded at that point. Yeah. I think there's, uh, without a doubt, there's uh, some yeah. and some... And he um, kind of just came out and said, oh, there's a lot of tampering and it's, you know, because of that, that there was a, that Ragnarok flashback. Sure. That that he didn't really want to put in there, and then they they tried to get him to take that barn sequence out. Okay, um, not the a, barn sequence. Yeah, they wanted they not wanted the that. barn. Yeah, and he he really fought for. I don't know. There was a there was a lot of stuff. It was years ago, but um, so this guy who who made Aquaman, yeah, the complete opposite, comes out and says this is the greatest movie that's ever been made. This is a, this is a this is the most fantastical movie. That any human being will ever lay eyes on. Well, okay, this is said. this is what he said. This is according oh. to Entertainment Weekly. Okay. Uh, the team at Warner Brothers and DC are really confident their next big release is going to swim, not sink. <laughs> EW, uh, EW, get it? You see what they did there? Yeah, you I see. see. What they did? see that's at least clever, right? Yeah, right. I well, mean, it's punny. It's, uh, it's punny. It is. Uh, EW exclusively spoke to the film's producers uh, and the studio's executive brass about Aquaman, which is coming out December twenty-first. The film starring Game of Thrones star Jason Momoa mm-hmm. as the half. Atlantean half-human superhero has been shrouded in secrecy and has only publicly released a couple photos so far. But there are hints that a trailer could be coming soon. The movie represents the first superhero film by director James Wan, who's best known for The Conjuring, Fast and the Furious. He did Fast and Furious 7, which, okay. is, which is the top-grossing uh, Fast, Fast and Furious, Furious film. Uh, Conjuring Jane, did pretty darn good, too, right? The Conjuring. Yeah, oh, The Conjuring. For a horror movie. Oof, the, yeah, yeah. Not even just for a horror movie. I, I mean, mean it, no, it, but for a horror made, movie, it just... it's. I mean, it's 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 a it's an astronomical movie in its own, but for yeah, our movie, no, that's, they, it was, it yeah, was over oh, the top. yeah, right, okay. yeah, we are we're talking big time. So in the, two in the, hits, two two, uh, uh, yes. two big pieces of credit. Yes. Right? Uh, so basically, DC is saying that James has done an incredible job. The film is taking you to a different place and imagining the underwater world in a way you've never seen before. Um, the underwater stuff has never been executed like this, Jeff Johns said. The visual effects shots coming in are just beautiful. James can switch modes from horror to big, bright, colorful action to really emotional scene. He's able to hit all these different genres. Now, um, you know, to be honest, in, the, in Justice League, there were a couple of sequences with him in Atlantis. And they didn't look bad. No. You know? But so, that's what I'm saying. Like, none of this, none of this film looks bad. Uh, or sorry, none of the character that we've seen so far has looked bad to suggest that this film is going to be bad. Right. In terms from, a, at least from a visual... I, like I said, I said many, many months ago when we were talking about this, I think they're due for, a, yeah. no, for like a genuine hit. Like not, yeah. a, not a marketing hit. Like yeah. Wonder Woman is arguably uh, a public relations hit. Like, yeah. a, like, you know, it's a social... Yeah, you know, uh, uh, um, revolution kind yeah. of thing. Mm-hmm. But they're due for just a genuine studio movie superhero hit. Yeah. And hopefully this will be. Well, it. no, I mean Wonder Woman's. I mean, wouldn't that count? I mean, 
Wonder Woman is like an event. Wonder Woman, and there's there's a lot wrapped up in it. There'd be if if Aquaman was a hit, there would be nothing but the merit of the character, the movie itself, sure. the superhero. Sure. Because Aquaman is not even like a top tier. No. You know. No. So like a top tier superhero is not one of the first that you think of. He's not one of the ones that's on all the DC paraphernalia. Right. Which, so, um, so to get an Aquaman hit. Jason Momoa, who's due a hit, yeah. he's due a genuine yeah. hit for himself. Um, DC, who's due a genuine hit, mm-hmm. just a normal uh, superhero hit that's not a revolution. Like, Wonder Woman was revolutionary. Yeah. It was a woman yeah. making a, a woman uh, superhero movie, you know, um, in a time of Me Too. Like, there's a sure, lot of things yeah, wrapped it, up there in was, it. There was a convergence. Same thing with Black Panther. Yeah, right? not to take anything away from it. It's an accomplishment. It's a great movie. I enjoyed it. I've, I've seen it multiple times. It's a fantastic sure. film. Uh, same with Black Panther. But if this did something, just Aquaman. This is just Aquaman <laughs> and just DC. But, you know, isn't it the funniest thing, too? Because Vinny Chase already made this a huge hit 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, but we never got to see that movie. Yeah, we did. Well, we, we, we got, got to, got to see blackout. behind the scenes. It was a little blackout, yeah. so that was the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the other thing, too. There was, there's even I know. There's even more Such stuff, though. Such a fanatic. Um, Aquaman director James Wan reveals how he'll show underwater dialogue. How is, how is Aquaman going to solve the underwater dialogue problem? You'll recall that in Justice League, director Zack Snyder had Mira create a giant air pocket so he could have a chat with Arthur Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, fans drowned that scene with criticism, noting that Atlanteans don't need air to talk. Uh, Juan then teased on Twitter he would handle underwater dialogue differently in his upcoming standalone movie. People are overthinking it. They're just going to talk, he said. I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I bet you they're just going to be underwater speaking. And then they're going to do something with the, with the, the screen. Where, or they're going to do something with CGI where everybody's hair is floating, but they're still talking, and there's no ear bubbles. Juan then adds a tad bit of a visual effect as Atlanteans speak, suggesting sound waves, but that's all. It's a rather brilliantly simple and naturalistic-looking solution to a problem <laughs> That isn't really sort of a problem in the first place. It really isn't. But, it, you know, I guess it, it actually kind of harkens back to what the initial problem was. What was the initial problem? The initial problem was that you fired a director or you had him step down midway through. <laughs> you replaced him with another director and you said, by the way, rewrite it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't really like how this turned out, so yeah. we kind of need you to rewrite and this. And then they got on him about his Whedonisms that he added to it. You know, he add you know the Russian the biggest, family? He added the Russian family. The biggest, I think, Whedonism, though, I think that the only Whedonism that I... All right, no, I did like it because I'm I'm like a 12 year old boy. <laughs> was the boob touching with the, with Flash? <laughs> but he got he got he got lampooned for that. It, you know, he got oh, like, yeah, why does he have to, like what is he 12 years old? And it's like no, I thought it was funny, but yeah, I'm 12 years old too. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. I think I think the problem, not to not to even go down this rabbit hole. I think the problem with Justice League is the monster that that uh, Marvel is because Marvel yeah, just kind of revolutionized I know, I know, I know. the epic. Superhero film. I know. Justice League is a perfectly serviceable superhero film. Yeah. Pre-Marvel. Yeah. Post-Marvel or or running consecutively with Marvel, it's not... It's just a little generic. Is it's it? a little too generic. Let me ask you a question, I'll, and I'll throw this out there. It's actually pretty good. It's fun, it's fun for the audience to kind of chime into. If Batman vs. Superman comes out in the pre-Marvel days... is It, it as, would be phenomenal. Is it as bad... It would be phenomenal. But it's still a bad movie, right? Like I don't. Well, if the uncut version had come out where they hadn't cut out half of it to you know with, where most of the motivation was gone, I think also in that movie, if they got rid of that entire murky plot with uh, with uh, Lex Luthor yeah. setting up 
Batman to kill. Yeah. I just don't think that was necessary. Batman was already teed up yeah. to get rid of Superman. I you know? know. I know. So it's um <laughs> Brian, Brian Abraham, it would still suck. <laughs> yeah, well. I, but you know what? No, nah, I don't think I, it. I think it would though. I think it would. Alright, we're gonna throw that out there for, for people. If, well, if everybody's gonna everybody's DC... gonna hive mind it and say yes, it oh. would have still suck. Well we'll see. We'll no, see. We're gonna they throw will. it out there. No, we're gonna throw it out there. The, I don't trust if the, the DC films that have come to date were released before the Marvel movies hit, would they still be panned for the most part, right? Three out of four panned? So seventy <laughs> yes. would they be seventy five percent panned? Yes, would it be when 75%. we come back. So we got Spider Man homecoming. It's a big deal now, isn't it? Spider Man. Opening weekend doesn't count. Let's see what the drop off is from week to week. Um, part of what I said was right though. I will acknowledge that. I didn't disagree with that. I didn't disagree that everyone would be... You disagreed with pretty much everything I said last week. But that's what makes a good show. Secrets of the Sire. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. You can sort of see the new space if you catch us on Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. And uh, we're, you know, we'll work things out in terms of uh, where we position everything. But uh, so far, so good. We like it. It's nice and spacious. I like the, I like the acoustics in the place. We're I don't like pretty it. Good. I don't like anything. <laughs> That's not a surprise. I don't even like though. water. You know? That's not a surprise. Like, <laughs> I hated chocolate milk when I was a kid. So we... we Threw up a um, a great question uh, right before we went to break. Was it a great question? I think it's a great question, though, right? Okay. Because I think Marvel, the prism of Marvel, has made us judge all these DC movies. So going, I don't know what the prism of Marvel. It's the prism of Marvel's execution, and and the and the trick about Marvel's execution was treat the movies like a TV show, right? And everybody else is still is still in the in this in this in this genre in this in the milieu of uh, superhero films, right? Yeah. They're still treating it. They're still treating them all like movies. Yeah. Like, well, okay, we have to sacrifice story. We have to sacrifice backstory. We have to sacrifice information because we only have a finite amount of time. And this is going to come out at Christmas. And it's got to hit the Christmas market. And it's got to be like third quarter. And it's got to make us all a lot of money. So this is what. And Marvel's like, well, we're just going to tell part of the story in this movie and then the other part in this next movie. And people are going to wait six months to a year to three years. To hear the story. I mean, the story of Ragnarok. I mean, excuse me, the story of Thor. This was stretched out over five movies. You know. Yeah. So, it when once you finally get to Ragnarok, when a lot of people like criticize it, all oh, Ragnarok is just a, is, is a joke. You already know so much about Thor, so much about Loki, so much about the struggle, so much about Odin. So that that all they have to do really is introduce um, Hela. Right. All they have to do is introduce her. Yeah. And set it in motion. That's a television show. Right. Um, Marvel, I mean, DC, the DCEU. But again, you know, Marvel created this format that's like, that DC tried to like uh, ape, essentially. Of course, but they they didn't do the groundwork. If Marvel Studios had never existed, you know, would they be, would these films be as universally panned? I don't think Man of Steel would be as universally panned. 
I think I think I, Man of Steel might have been. Well, yeah, and, and Man of Steel had a chance, and it, it was it was well received up until the point where you know there was that utter character negation of right. Superman snapping someone's neck, which is like <laughs> that's true. Well, come on, dude. Yeah, I mean that. And it's Zack blatant. Snyder can't help but kill people, right? No, like Batman's like a machine gun. No, he's like Abrams. He's like, yeah, yeah kill Han. Done. <laughs> that's my emotional beat. Done. Succeeded. Yeah. Succeeded. And. Um, like, he was know, like filming like Watchmen version of uh, Superman. And the Watchmen was great, but the Watchmen had source material. It wasn't yeah. It didn't come from him from scratch. I thought the Watchmen was great. Like, um, like in subsequent years, I've found not everybody shares that attitude about the Watchmen. Right. But I thought the Watchmen was wonderful when I first saw it. I thought Except it was a the, very faithful adaption, and I applaud him. I yeah. applauded Zack Snyder for Why trying. Not? And for even even how they 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 um they kind of kind of glazed over the squid the, yeah. the alien invasion yeah the, the way they did it was was in very in story very yeah. in canon you know uh, which is wonderful and Mr. And, uh, Dr. Manhattan wanted to leave anyway so let's let's see what some users um, uh, thought here uh, and uh, basically we basically just threw the question out there yeah. would the DC movies that we've felt. seen be as universally panned if Marvel hadn't come along mm-hmm. and kind of didn't uh, you know set the standard Brian Everham who we love commenting Blade would still be far superior to Batman versus Superman the original Superman and Superman 2 are better than BVS mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that um, but again you know would it would it be would people have come out and said you know Batman versus Superman is the worst movie we've seen since Batman and Robin, which I think a lot of people were, were thinking from DC point of view. Um, you know, Justice League, obviously. Like, think of the chain of events that had to happen for, for, uh, for Justice League to be what it was, right? Yeah. You had to... Man of Steel comes out. Zack Snyder's like, I'm going to take a different approach, which, like it or not, it was a different approach, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, nah, you should be like Marvel. So then, so then Batman vs. Superman comes around, and he's like, I got this great idea. We're going to do Dark Knight Returns, which is awesome, and it's going to be great, and we're going to do it. We're going to do it as a movie. And they're like, and yeah, set up the rest of our franchise for us like in this movie while you're at it, because that would really help us. Yeah, but he, yeah. And, and, then, he, he's and, like, he, and then he's like, but why? And he's like, because well, cause Marvel's really doing it well, and you know, Man of Steel, you, you tried it, and it didn't quite work, so, so, so do well, it Man here. of Steel wasn't... And then he does it, and then they're like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I know what we told you to do, but what you did, it just you didn't, didn't quite you, work you, for What us. you did, you didn't quite do. <laughs> you didn't quite so, do. So, so so if you could just not be on the next yeah. movie. If you could just do everything we think and and and, and, right. and anticipate everything that we're thinking without us actually having to tell you, that'd be great. And then in between that, you have this cultural phenomenon that is Wonder Woman. Good movie. Very good movie. Not great, so very but solid very movie. solid movie. And DC's like, oh, See, you just need to be. You just need to just do what they're doing now. Oh, and Lord. then by the time Justice League comes out, we're like, well, okay. the thing is, okay, but you need to you need to double down somewhere. If you're gonna do an adaptation of the Dark Knight, you need to do an adaptation of the Dark Knight. And he didn't. You know, if you're gonna do a a full on superhero anthology, which is you know one different superhero gets focused on per movie, right? You know, su- uh, Superman, Batman, even though Superman is in it, Wonder Woman. You know, you know that that's setting up the the Justice League. Sure. Then you need to do that, right? But didn't really even do that because now they, they wanted to trim, like like forty minutes out of it, and they wanted to lighten the tone and change the tone sure. around and make it more convoluted. It was ridiculous. Just tell a story. I know that sounds stupid, 
I, I mean, I, I get it because no, because no, just, but you know, we live like in a, a world that we reaction. live in a world of so much content now that the people who are making the content are aware that they're making the content yeah, and their characters meta. are now aware that they are part meta. of the content. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the one scene in Infinity War, the only scene in Infinity War that I, I kind of would have. The one line in Infinity War I would have changed is when Tony Stark says to Spider-Man, if you make one more pop culture reference, and I'm sitting there going, only someone who knows pop culture would say pop culture reference. <laughs> you know, like only someone who yeah. works at a Comic-Con only, only would someone... say, or a marketing agency, you're Tony Stark, you're in a lab, you're not going to say pop culture reference, but the writers say pop culture reference. That's the term that it is now. They're, they're self-aware that they're in pop culture, and yeah. that's the one part I was like, ah, I just, you know, look, it doesn't doesn't downgrade my grade grade from an A to an A minus. If you checked out yeah. our show last week, we gave our 2018 grades for the season hmm. uh, so far. So go check that out on iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Facebook. Go ahead, but it, but it did, <laughs> but it do did it, actually. You know, it was one of those moments where I'm like, ah, stop being so meta. Last Jedi was an entire meta movie, right? Yeah, was, there was no story. So what meta. you said is not crazy. Yeah. It's people who need to realize that. Like, I'm writing, you know, so the, the new book that, that I have out, the mainstream, and oh, it is a oh, shameless self-plug. Oh, yeah. At Zenoscope. Uh-oh. Issue 2 coming out right now. Ooh, it's great. It's a great book. Go get it. All right, I'm going to show the, the commercial. There it is. Okay. But, um, no, but so the, the story sessions that, that uh, my co-creator, Talon Caldwell, and I have, right? Mm. The sessions are, you know, whenever we go through dialogue, he always reminds me, he's like, okay, but we know this is happening. Would they know this is happening? How would they know this is happening? How would they make this assumption? And it's a great question, and we're always stopping to ask that question. Right, so right. that at no point, or we hope, as we're reading the series, we're like, oh, we're, we're you know, we're, we're, we're meta-izing the, the, the script. Like, we're trying to put it in, if this really happened, how would these people react and what would they say? So okay. I don't think what you're saying is crazy. I don't at all. Oh, well, well, good. Let's, let's go some more, <laughs> some more comments real quick. Like Jim Morris chimed in. Everyone forgets Batman uh, in the original carried a gun. And uh, uh, yeah. I said, not a, not a machine gun. <laughs> yes, or or you know, or rail guns on his on his Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. But even even Tim Burton's Batman had like fifty caliber machine guns on it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think it was the fact that he had the gun and that he was using it. It's, it's how he was using it. It was like the blatant disregard. There's, a, there's always there's always a fast and loose kind of situation, especially with Batman, especially with that no kill rule, because. I mean, even even Nolan's Batman, he was riding through the streets on the Batpod blowing up cars. You don't know right. if anyone's asleep in those cars. Like, you can't... And that's destruction of property, Mr. Mr. Wayne. You're right. You know, so, like, you, you know, you're the hero. You can't go around just doing collateral damage like sure. that. But, but, you know, it's fast and loose. It's, you know, we assume that he knew that there was no one in those sure. cars with it. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. So, I, I mean, okay, so... Uh, look... The problem in general, yeah, especially with Superman, is, char- is hero is character negation. I saw I saw a, a great video, I think from uh, Wisecrack. It yeah. said we are in the post-hero age. Yeah, right. So there was there was a um, there was a post-western because we were, there was a glut of westerns, and then we got the we got Unforgiven, we got western movies that kind of deconstruct the western myth. Sure, and those were called post-westerns, right? Um, where like, all right, it's not about heroism, and every 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 piece of damage has a cost, and you know all all the violence has a you know has consequences. It's not like you know it's not like Pale Rider where Clint Eastwood just empties his guns into people and then they give him soup, you know. Yeah. So 
um, we're doing the same thing with our heroes, especially like characters like Logan. Sure. You know, the movie Logan, um, Superman to an extent where mm-hmm. you're trying to trying to deconstruct him. Um, he also he also the 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 vlog also mentioned uh, Luke Skywalker from the Last Jedi. Sure. Even though it wasn't, I, I don't feel that it was executed properly. Um, so you know you got these characters who just oh, I don't want to be a hero anymore. You know, and yeah. they get drawn back to it, they get dragged back to it. But I'm not, you know, I'm not the hero anymore. Superman had attempted to like kind of subvert all that by making him. Uh, Kind of, you know, kind of taking that truth and justice thing away sure. from him, and that, sure. know, that cleft chin a- atmosphere, and making him like more of a sympathetic character since he's invulnerable. Right. At least you have the, his path- his pathology that you have to deal sure. with. Sure. Um, the problem is that he just went around snapping people's necks, <laughs> and he didn't save anybody <laughs> from falling buildings and stuff. And people are like, "Well, what am and, I watching?" And let's not forget, for? it was a little dark blue. Yeah. Dark blue. Yes. It was. <laughs> we kind of got off on a little tangent. I want to squeeze this in before we get to commercial here too, because we are looking ahead to 2018. I love the discussion. I love what we're getting to, and we're gonna get we're gonna circle back to that too. But we have a guest coming up next. Can you give me your 2018 films in five words or less? Now, again, last week we did what had come before. Now we're looking to what comes after, and the three films on the docket we have are Ant Man two. Or, sorry, Ant-Man and Wasp, Venom, and the aforementioned Aquaman. So if, you're, if we're going to go through those three films, Ant-Man and Wasp in five, this is predictions for what it's going to be like, in five words or less. Uh, does well no matter what. Does well no matter what. Oh, ding, 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 ding. You get, that's five. That's five. That's big. That's big. Uh, I was going to say, where the heck is Thanos? <laughs> that, it's that, pre-Thanos, my, though. I know, I know. But it's, it's <laughs> the other thing I wrote, I wrote another thing was, uh, you know, well done picking release date. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Like, we'll if, see, we'll see. We talked about some previous on previous. It's like, going to have to deal a little bit with the Jurassic Park, but not really. It's no, gonna, I know. It's it going to own. Be set it's going to own it's July. Owning everything. Like if Deadpool two had not punched up their release date, I think this whole yeah. like summer I'm season. I'm a little worried about different. Jurassic Park because I'm seeing so it's a glut of advertising. It's and not whenever <sighs> they do that. But Jurassic Park only works as a standalone film once, and mm-hmm. then and then it works coming back one more time, like after twenty years, because. Like Not at, really. At, at, well, at some point you gotta. Okay, why are we on the? Why are we on but the they're island? They're trying. To, they're doing. They're doing something slightly different. Not to get off this tangent. They're doing something slightly different from the last one. They're but they keeping they the same it. protagonists. Yes. The last one they yes. kept swapping yes. people out. So it was like Ian in the first two, and then and then and then and then what's his name? Uh, Sam Neill in the third one. And by then people were like, man. But I mean, if they had kept the three of them, you know, they would have been. Yeah, a focal point. You know, a hero yeah. focal point that yeah. just had incredibly bad luck running into islands full of dinosaurs. If you're checking us out on the Facebook feed right now, we got a lot of Legion folks on, which is excellent, and we'll tell you all about Legion M with its co-founder Jeff Anderson when we return. I go to the same movie theater. It's in the middle of the city. Yeah, that's New York City, where we broadcast from. Oh yes. Okay. Ah, I'm, yeah. Apologies. Apologies. We're city snobs, though. I mean, that's yeah. We are. You do. Yeah, we call it New York city. is the city. Right. So there everybody is, there else is no other. Everybody, Salt Lake. You guys can go to hell. Okay. Secrets of the Sire.
Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc, and streaming live on facebook.com slash secrets of the sire. I want to thank all the folks who have joined us tonight. There's a lot of, uh, of Legion folks on there, and I'm really excited to welcome our next guest. His name is Mr. Jeff Addison. He is the founder of the first ever fan-owned entertainment company ever, Legion M. Jeff, are you there? I'm here, Michael. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining us. So I, I, it's funny, um, you know, before we were in contact with, with, uh, with your folks, I've seen your ads out there. I've seen what you were doing. Um, but, you know, it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, well, it's just a crowdfunding thing, right? It's just a crowdfunding kind of thing. But the more you get into it, you guys are, are just doing something completely different than what's out there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people hear the word crowdfunding and they immediately think they know what we're talking about. But uh, the fact is what we're doing is equity crowdfunding, uh, which is something entirely new and wasn't even possible uh, up until about a year or two ago. Yeah, it's funny. You talk about the Jobs Act a lot. And I'm like, wow, this I mean, like that was the thing that really impressed me when I started to read more on your website. I'm like, I'm like, OK, so this is not just some guy living in his basement who, uh, you know, is, is like, oh, if we get all the fans together, I don't have to pay for anything. This is great. <laughs> No, this is uh, this is really revolutionary. So what the Jobs Act is, you know, for for, for those that aren't aren't familiar, is it enabled this thing called equity crowdfunding, which is it, it's like Kickstarter in that it's a bunch of you know individuals, small or um, uh, investors coming together uh, to you know invest in uh, our company. But unlike Kickstarter, it's not the sort of thing where you back a project in exchange for a T-shirt and a pre-sale of the product. You are actually investing to own equity in the company, which means that if the company is successful, then you as an investor can make money. And it's the sort of thing that was not possible at all uh, before the Jobs Act. And, you know, if you, if, a lot of people don't realize this, but prior to the Jobs Act, even if you were like next door neighbors with Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, he's working in his dorm room and he's got this idea, sure. um, you know, for a, uh, for a new product. And, you know, he, he talks to you and you're like, oh, wow, this sounds really cool. He's looking to raise some money. He needs to buy some servers or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, hey, you know, I've got five grand or, you know, 500 bucks or something like that. Like, I'd, I'd like to invest in this and get in on the ground floor of the next big thing. Uh, prior to the Jobs Act, you were not able to. The only people that were legally allowed to invest in startup companies were what the SEC defines as accredited investors, which is effectively the wealthiest two or three percent of the population. And, you know, there's a whole set of laws and, you know, we could go and I, I know way too much about securities law now. <laughs> but, um, you know, these are laws. You're, you're entering prequel level uh, that, talk here. You know, prevented basically small time investors uh, from having, you know, getting the opportunity to, to get in on deals like this. And uh, the jobs that came along, it brought the SEC into the 20th century. And we think it creates a fundamentally different way to build a company. The whole idea behind Legion M is that if you've got a legion of investors, uh, a large audiences of fans that are literally invested in the company, that when we produce movies and TV shows, we've got a fundamental competitive advantage against everybody else that's out there because we've got a built-in audience that we know is going to show up to support the film. So one of the other things, uh, and, and the last thing, uh, and then I'll get, I want to get into the actual projects you guys are working on, but the other thing that really impressed me was 
you know, this is, this is a crowd-funded operation that does not mean the crowd makes the content. You guys are really, like, looking for legit, you know, content creators. You're looking for legit content. Uh, talk to us about that. Um, was that a little scary, too? Because, I mean, th- you know, the whole idea of crowdfunding, in a way, is, is and it's a, it's a model that seems to be working, in a way, for people to just make money, is to, okay, well, everyone can just, you know, kind of put their own content in here. Um, but you guys, are, you guys are specifically just looking for people to invest, in a way. Yeah, correct. Uh, in that, you know, we uh, a lot of people again assume that okay, you know, oh hey, this is we're going to do fan films or we're going to do right. little micro budget films or something like that, um, and that's completely not again our model. Um, the, we, the Legion M is not about fans uniting to create content. Sure, it's about fans uniting to effectively fund content mm-hmm. and to benefit from the success of that content. So if you think about it, I mean, entertainment is a global, like multi-trillion dollar industry. And right now, you know, most of us are fans, we're just consumers. So we're just the Mm -hmm. people, it's our eyeballs and our wallets that literally fuel the entire thing. Um, But if we band together, we have enormous power. And so the best way that I like to think about Legion M, it's like everybody at Comic-Con pulled their money and said, hey, let's go make a a movie studio. And, you know, it's not about like, hey, we're going to create fan films. This is about us investing in large projects. We've got an Anne Hathaway project, Nicolas Cage, Mm -hmm. Dean Devlin, David Tennant. Like, you know, these are real legit things and the difference is is that rather than being backed by either a you know a wealthy oil tycoon or a wall sure. street, you know uh, a, a wall street conglomerate it's a bunch of fans who have effectively pooled their money to make this project happen so i mean that's the other thing too do do the fans somehow have a say in the content itself though or is it or is is there is is that that window kind of like you know you're kind of trusted with the with the um, you know, what do you call the, like the baton to, to, to fund it in the right ways? Yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Legion is the, is the center of like everything that we do. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, part of it is as the shareholders, as the owners of the company, like my job as management is to make the owners of the company happy. <laughs> and if we go off and fund a bunch of stuff that all of the people in the Legion hate, um, you know, the, the company's not going to last very long, sure, frankly, sure. because, you know, our whole success is built on the fact that, you know, you guys are engaged and, and you want to come see it. So, so there's kind of like a built-in mechanism there. But the other thing about it is, is that, you know, uh, the power of a large group of fans is like this isn't just like a new way to raise money to fund content it's it's a fundamentally new way to build a business yeah because we have a legion of people we've got a legion of scouts that can help us you know find and identify uh new and emerging ips and you know what are these next great projects um we've got you know right now one of our biggest challenges as a company is that we've got we don't have enough hands to accept all of the the help and there's a lot of really talented people in the legion you sure. know uh, across every you know skill set and 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 industry and and because this is their company they are intrinsically motivated to help see it succeed and so for us the success of legion m like the biggest the single biggest superpower of legion m 
is the fact that we're owned by this large audience of people. So we're constantly trying to find ways to, you know, use the wisdom of the crowd to help us make decisions and figure out ways that we can leverage all the insight that people had. Um, that said, we also, like our motto is, you don't make great art by committee. And so it's not the sort of thing <laughs> That's that, very true. you know, where we, you know, it's a giant democracy and everybody votes on every little thing and we're going to vote on plot lines <laughs> and that sort of stuff. Our, our goal is to find creators, uh, back them, uh, and get out of their way. I want a kitchen with a sink and a refrigerator so I can put my sandwiches there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, shameless plug time. Talk to us about the, uh, the actual projects you have going. You mentioned Anne Hathaway. You, you, you mentioned Kevin Smith. You mentioned um, uh, Nicolas Cage. Uh, give, a, give a quick 30-second uh, elevator pitch for some of these projects. Oh, my gosh. Well, there's too many to do in 30 seconds. We did a, a Colossal, which was Anne Hathaway, Jason Sudeikis. That was a feature film uh, that came out last year. Uh, we did a virtual reality pilot with Kevin Smith and Stan Lee. That is absolutely fantastic. I cool. can talk to you about that if you're interested yeah. in, in VR. Um, we did uh, Bad Samaritan, which came out uh, about a month ago. That was uh, David Tennant start. It was... Uh, Produced and directed and distributed by Dean Devlin, who was the creator sure. of Stargate and Independence Day and Leverage and The Librarian. Uh, our next movie that will probably be in theaters is Mandy, which is a Nicolas Cage movie that is uh, a totally gonzo, dark, twisted masterpiece that was literally the highest, re the, the best reviewed movie at Sundance Film Festival this year and just had a four minute standing ovation at, uh, at Cannes in France. Um, so those are kind of the, the big ones that have either been out uh, or are, you know, kind of in process. Uh, we've got a whole slate of uh, television shows and uh, earlier stage stuff uh, as well that you can see. But those are those are kind of the big ones. All right. Very cool. So what we're doing tonight uh, and we're going to we're going to include you in on the fun here. We are doing <laughs> predictions for the rest of 2018 superhero movies in five words or less. So we will give you we'll give you what we did for Ant-Man and Wasp. And then I want you to come up with in five words or less less your predictions for each of these movies. The three movies that we have left remaining are Ant-Man and Wasp, uh, uh, Venom and Aquaman. And for Ant-Man and Wasp, I said, where the heck is Thanos? <laughs> And Hassan, what was yours? Uh, good no matter what. Good no matter... Good does no, good, ma no does matter Does good no matter what. Five words or less, Ant-Man and Wasp, your predictions. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> we, you really put me on the spot that's here. Exactly. You didn't need time to, like, prepare. Exactly. It's the best, it's the best uh, response. <laughs> I'm going to go with... Uh, it's Marvel, so all good. Okay. We like it. We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah. All right, uh, Venom is the next movie. Uh, Hassan, you want to go first, or should I go first? Um, <laughs> uh, no reason for this movie. No reason for this movie. That's five <laughs> words. Bing, 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 bing. If you can get five, I give you a little bing, bing, bing. That's, that's all you get if you get five. Uh, I, I said the Joey of superhero movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Joey of superhero movies. Because well, we're Spider-Man. We didn't, you, gotta, you know, it's gotta, like... Gotta give it, that's a little meta. It's, you gotta, it's a little, very meta. You gotta give it a little content. You're talking Joey from Friends. I'm talking Joey from okay, Friends. Okay. And he was, an, he was an amazing supporting character. Yeah, uh, there's no they need, his own show. Yeah, there's no need to pull him out and give him his own movie. No need. Uh, Venom, Jeff, what do you got? Oh, my gosh. I didn't... You know, 
I, I have to admit, I'm not very familiar with the Venom storyline. So I don't there know is, if I can There is none. There is none. I've got one for, uh, for Justice League, but uh, for Venom, I, I, I just I got nothing. I got nothing. That's three. Okay. <laughs> Wait, for Venom, I got nothing. That's five. Bing, there bing, we bing, go. Bing. Five. Bing, bing, bing. <laughs> All right. The final one is Aquaman. Uh, I will go first on this. I actually have five different ones. Oh, boy. Can't be worse than BVS. Can't be worse than JL. Can't be worse than Man of Steel. Can't be worse than Snyder. And I said, maybe better than Wonder Woman? Question mark? Wow. Okay. Hassan, what do you think? Has a chance to work. Has a chance to work. Bing, bing, bing. Look at us. Look at us go. Now, to be fair, I wrote the questions, so I prepared for these questions. Uh, <laughs> so I have answers. <laughs> Jeff, finish us off here. Aquaman predictions, five words or less. I'm saying this in my best DC voice, <laughs> and I'm saying, God, I hope it works. <laughs> That's work. That's oh, yeah. Oh, oh, that was it. I thought he was going to do it in a DC voice. I was waiting for the. I was waiting for the Christian Bale. Batman uh, oh, actually. God, there. I Superman. <laughs> God, I hope it works. Real quick before we let you go, tell fans where they can get involved, where they can find you guys online, and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, you can join for free anytime and become a part of the Legion. We're not always raising money. We happen to be raising money right now, but you can go to legionm.com. You can join as a free member to become a part of the community and see what it's all about. And if you decide that you want to uh, someday invest in the company for as little as 100 bucks, you can become a part owner of the world's first fan-owned entertainment company. Very, very cool. Jeff, thank you so much. Again, go check out Legion M. When we come back, we tell you. we'll go spinning the racks. Can a man actually get up with any kind of macho manliness and say Twilight was a good film franchise and or movie? That's like the guy <laughs> wearing the pink shirt, right? Like yeah. He, he but, feels completely confident. But in, men can <laughs> rock the pink. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Sam, Sam the engineer is Sam, wearing pink. Right. I just pulled a Hassan. <laughs> the Secrets of the Sire. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture. I want to thank our guest, uh, Mr. Jeff, Je- Mr. Jeff Addison, uh, who is awesome from Legion M. Uh, go to legionm.com. Uh, go check out all their cool stuff. It's a really cool idea. I actually saw ads for it uh, before we even, like I said, was in contact with him. So uh, he did a nice job of explaining it to me, and uh, I hope uh, everyone else out there as well, too. Uh, really cool stuff we were doing to you know, predict the future of comic book movies in 2018 in five words or less. And uh, John Biscardi chimed in, Aquaman, not going to go see it. Not going to go see it. Bing! That's five. Very well done. Very well done. Keep chiming in there. Uh, I like that you have to keep Dennis counting. Dickens. He's great. DC, not so much. That's oh. six. Oh. That's six. I don't know if he was trying, actually. I think he might have just been commenting, <laughs> but I'm going to use it anyway. I'm going to use it anyway. So we'll go six. And, and he used you know. it. Now, he's, now he, 
he, he used it as a failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shao Lopez, my wife loves Aquaman. Five. Bing. That's ah, good. Ah, yeah. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I like okay. that. Okay. Well, we'll do it. We'll give it. Yeah. Uh, we'll split Aquaman. Terry Pignon. I hope I pronounce that. I'm going to butcher names. For anybody who's new to this show. Always does. Jumping on, I'm going to butcher does. everyone's name. Don't take it uh, personally. Hopefully better than Venom. That's four. Oh. It's hopefully better than Venom. Yeah, so I'll, there you I'll go. support See, you. What? You helped him. Uh, that's yeah, that's a, it's a her and yes. yes you helped I her. Yes, oh, I did. you helped her. Yes, I did. See? That was that was, uh, that was chivalry. <laughs> we do this every week. We go spinning the racks to bring you the most fantastical pop culture news available. Fantastical's not Spinning the racks. New place, new studio. We should change that. I'm going to give it a dance beat. I'll do it. I'm going to give it a dance beat. It's going to be awesome. Okay. Green light for AT&T deals sets up Comcast's Fox bid. Merger frenzy. Big ticket acquisitions could trigger a round of deal making by smaller players trying to keep up with the Titans. I'm not going to go into huge detail here. We're not going to get into prequel level like you like you had mentioned uh, over dinner. Prequel level you talk. Keep saying here. that. I, I think it's a really good line, so I'm stealing it, and eventually I'm, I'm usurping it and owning it. Yes, and then um, you're using it against prequel fans. What, is, what does all this stuff mean if you heard about the AT&T merger uh, with Time Warner? You're sitting there going like, okay, I don't read the Wall Street Journal. I, re- I, I like you know, comics and comic book movies. Why, am I, why do I care? Well, you care because now it has actually, the ruling has now opened the door for Comcast to come in and basically steal Fox from Disney. You know, that, that merger we kept talking about that wasn't quite a done deal is not a done deal. Right, right. And what that means for us is that all those dreams, all those dreams of... Not happening. A Fantastic Four living nope. in the Fantastic Four world. Nope. Logan. All Kevin, all Kevin Feige's dreams of ah. having tier, you know, like, like phase six, seven, eight, whatever. Ah. He could have just kept it going. Indefinitely. My dream of seeing X-Men comics be good again. Like, <laughs> yeah. gone. Like, it's gone. Not I, necessarily. Actually, no. actually, I take that back. Cullen Bunn is doing an amazing job on X-Men Blue. Go read that book. It's, it's actually Blue, pretty amazing. We're talking about, like, the movies. No, I know, and but they're I'm just not saying. doing an amazing job on the Dark Phoenix. On the, the no. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. not happening. Yeah, no. It's... That's not what's <laughs> happening with the, with the X-Men movies. <laughs> you just, you know, you, you're lying. For any X-Files fans out there, my favorite episode of X-Files is Jose Chung's From Outer Space. If you're true X-Files fans, you know exactly what that means. Uh, and there's this line in the movie where the guy's getting abducted by aliens and he's, and he's hovering in the middle of like a, uh, like a crate and there's lights flashing. He's like, this is not happening. This is not happening. This is not happening. That's what you just reminded me of. Describing Dark Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Well, just, it's true. You just I described mean, Dark Phoenix. Not only that, not only the last two movies have not been that stellar, but they're already clickbaited. They're already monetized the hate against it. You know? It's already clickbait fodder. So yeah. that means even if it is good, it doesn't have a chance because the hive mind's already against it, which is basically what happens these days. Yeah, but I mean, you get bad buzz, and then it's like, oh man, but that's you know the, what? That's, the, that, that's been true for years, though. It just, it just, it, there was a, it there rises was a, to the top quicker now. There was a trailer very quickly. Yeah, there was a trailer of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, with the, um, with the. Uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex Sure 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 And the Tyrannosaurus Rex Was roaring And then it said like Rotten Tomatoes 71% <laughs> You know And then it was like It was like Oh it's already got 71% of Rotten Tomatoes Which basically In the in the comments Went either way Yeah You know And I'm like What Who cares about Rotten Tomatoes Right 
You know, and if they're making it all relevant, the hive mind is already, you know, the gatekeepers are already there. The gatekeepers are us, unfortunately, and there's no stopping us because we're not a monolith. Right. And so it's it's done. It's that's how movies are going to be from now on. Do you want to see this? No. Well, we made it anyway. Well, we're not going to see it. And it's a failure and it's a flop. So now studios are going to kowtow to us as much as possible. Everything's going to go down at tubes. We're screwed. Give me the odds <laughs> that Fox Disney actually happens. Like, what are the, what are the, what are the odds? I think, I think the odds are below 50%. You think below 50% this, now? You really do? At this point. Even, unless this is a double blind, so when, when Disney swoops in and buys Fox, everyone's happy. Sure. Like, they're threatening Comcast, and they're saying, well, you're not going to get X-Men now, and you're not going to get any good stuff, from any good movies anymore from Fox. And... Then suddenly Disney comes in, da, 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 we, we, we bought it, and it doesn't, now all of a sudden it's not a monopoly. Yeah. It's, whoa, they just got rescued by Disney. Now we're going to get X-Men. What are the odds that Comcast reaches a Sony-like deal? Like, wouldn't that make the most sense? Like, if, and if, they, if and they Hollywood... they out X-Men to... Uh, yeah, if Hollywood is a, is, a, is, a, is a, you know, breed of copycats, right? If Hollywood essentially, it's like, it's like high school. It's like when the, when the pretty girl wears something, all the rest of the girls have to, like, start wearing what they're wearing. Or if, or if the cool dude, like, you know, comes in with a certain whatever, kind of like, all the people kind of fall... Yeah, all kind of fall into place. Yeah. I mean, we have a proven record here. DC is DC is a, is a case study, is a success story for why of what not to do when trying to take on Marvel. Uh, the X Men universe is see the X Men universe is actually a quasi in the middle, right? Like it was successful in terms of it made money. Well, it was successful because it was first. It was technically yeah, first. but even like First Class made money and Days of Future's Past made money. Like these films but that was made all, that's money. all still Days of Future. I mean, Days of Future Past isn't, but. First class, all those movies, those were pre-Marvel. Days of Future Past wasn't. And, first uh, class, what? 08? It had to be no. See, first class came out. First class, yeah, but first, I mean that's pre-Marvel. That's pre-Avengers. It was pre-Avengers. Uh, we'll have to look that up. We'll I think it up. was. All right, I don't. I don't think it was. I think, I think it, was it was 2013. I think it was right around there. Well, let's let's do let's do I the backwards think. counting. Uh, Apocalypse was 2016, 2013, 2010. Right? It's three years. Every three years yeah. there's a movie. So yeah. I think it's 16, 13, 10. So first class, I would guess, would be 09 or, or, or 2010. Um, which is... That's it is pre, pre-Avengers. That's pre-Avengers. It is definitely pre-Avengers. And right. Avengers is the catalyst for, for the, yeah. the current okay. Marvel monster. But that's the whole thing. Like, we have these blueprints. It's like Sony Sony couldn't get Spider-Man right. And then they finally just conceded. I mean, and they're like, let's, they just, gonna, let's just lease them out. They lease out a character. That character is fine. You're going to yeah. lease out an entire franchise. That's a t- that's a but different no, no, monster. No, 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 but a character is a franchise. Spider-Man is a franchise. And right, any, any but they other... didn't get Venom. You see, you see, like, how Marvel can't... They sure. didn't buy the whole package. Sure. So, like, if you want X-Men, you're going to have to buy the whole package because you got to buy all the X-Men and you got to buy all the X-Men villains. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, that's cost prohibitive, probably. Alicia Davis chimed in. They start to put trailers and stuff out way too early these days. Thoughts? Nah. I, one, of the, one of the complaints about Solo is that the trailers didn't come out uh, until a couple of months. Isn't before the it amazing though? Isn't it amazing? Like we because we, we, I actually kind of agree with Leisha. I actually I'm I'm also in the camp of like they give too much away in the trailers. But now I'm so desensitized to it that I don't even I don't even like it doesn't even phase me now. It doesn't even phase me now when a movie comes out like a movie trailer comes out like nine months in advance and shows you like the the. You know, climactic the end of the ending of the movie. Now I'm like, movie. all right, that makes sense. Oh, he gets eaten by a monster. Yeah, right. I mean, like, how about that? <laughs> how about that? 
It still I guess makes, I'll go see it. Yeah, it still does. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'll go see it. All right, we want to thank our guest, uh, Mr. Jeff uh, Anison, who was, who was awesome, really gave us uh, some great insight into everything. I want to thank all of our, our, our new fans, hopefully. Maybe they'll join us every Wednesday night. If you uh, love a place to geek out, come do it here. Um, and next week, we're going to continue to geek out. It's crossover time. We are going to be joining, we're going to be welcoming the O Sith podcast on the show for a retro review of one of your favorite Marvel franchises.